Um, as ever, parents, there's loads of stuff to do with the kids. We really encourage you to sort of join in with them and keep them so that they're able to hear who we are and what we're doing, but also able to do some things for themselves as well. So, um, Liz did really well with the worship, by the way. She, she, um, some things got changed around. We, we, we don't have an issue with that. We learned to be flexible, but it meant she was choosing songs at like 10.58. So she did a really good job with the worship. Let's just say thank you to her for that. Just, um, there was a, there was a bit, bit of a rapid change around. So. Cool. Oh, oh. whoops. <laughs> all right, well, that's not what I expected, but there we go. I just I want it to be a bit higher, that's all. So, everybody's favourite point of the week. J- jokes, plural. I always, I always do more than one. I know you might not recognise them as, as jokes, but anyway. So, I told my wife she was wearing unsuitable clothing for gardening. But she's still digging in her heels. Think about it. I'm reading a Braille horror story. Something bad is about to happen. I can feel it. It was, wasn't it? Well, you know, I try my best. I really go. Um, yeah, I'll go through in a minute. Cool. Well, don't, don't. Really, you think that would help? Having, having seen his, having seen his jokes for the whole of December, I'm not sure it'd make him any better. I mean, cool. Anyway, so um, the last time I spoke, I was here for about three days. Um, as we looked at what, what did we start looking at together? We did rest, yes, but we said something about Sabbath, yes, about Sabbath being about rest. Started to say I wanted to lay um, a biblical foundation. Without too much application. That's really what I was going to do. Um, probably actually, as, as I started to read more and do some more stuff, I was like, oh, probably I'll do one, maybe two on biblical foundation, and then we'll do something about application. I'm less certain now. There, there might be a bit more to do. Um, we'll see. We'll see how we get along this time and, and everything else. Um, I do want to be clear. We're, we're not... Um, you know, we've been doing this stuff about learning to be in quiet, in silence and solitude. And then I've been doing this stuff about Sabbath, starting this series on Sabbath. And we're going to be doing some other things about spiritual disciplines, about how to keep growing. I, I want us to be absolutely clear. That is not in any way ever going to move us away from being a church that pursues the presence of God and believes in signs, wonders, miracles and healings and wants to be the people who bring the kingdom of God wherever and whenever we are. We're, we're, not, we're not shifting focus from being a people about presence and about power. But that line that I've used a couple of times, if we want to do what Jesus did, we need to do what Jesus did. Jesus worked miracles. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven from heaven to earth. Where he went, disease left. Where he went, wholeness came in. Where he went, storms were calmed, not caused. We never ever move away from that. What we're saying is, how do we make certain we've got a deep enough foundation so that our lives are the places where God's spirit rests? Because remember, that's how Jesus works. 
Jesus doesn't do what he does because he's God. He does what he does because he's a man perfectly in submission to God's will. Philippians 2 says he empties himself of all that he was. He keeps his status, but he gives up his power. Jesus does what he does in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do, and I only say what the Father gives me to say. He's dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's our job too, to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So how do we stay like that? We stay like that by having times of silence and solitude. We stay in that place of being receptive to the Holy Spirit by trying to practice some of the stuff we're talking about, about Sabbath. I want us to look and sound like Jesus looked and sounded. When, when people met Jesus, they knew they had met good news. We know that because they said, the people were amazed because he taught, not like their teachers, but with authority. When, when Jesus rocked up, people thought, this is going to be good. They did. We know because thousands of people went to find him. He goes out and actually he has to effectively go and say, look, enough, I'm going to go have a bit of time by myself because people are everywhere looking for him. And that's amazing. People who felt far from God came near to him. People who knew they'd made a mess of stuff, who, weren't, who were actually full of questions and full of uncertainty. Think of Zacchaeus. Think of Mary. There's example after example. All these people who were like, I'm a bit messed up, but I know if I go to him, I'll get acceptance. It's one of the amazing things about Jesus. The the most pure man who ever lived, people who've made a mess want to come near him. Think about that. Often what I hear about when I talk to people about coming to church is they'll say, oh, I'm not good enough to come to church. And that says something about them about their misunderstanding of what church is about, but it also says something about how the church has been thought of. That actually we've gone, you know, Jesus is the purest person and the most broken people want to run to him. Because they know with him they'll find acceptance. Not that he won't expect them to change, but he accepts them as they are. He basically says, bring me your mess and help me change who you are. And that's what the church should be about. We should be the place where people who are are full of trouble and full of problems think, actually, I'm going to go there on a Sunday morning. Because people will meet me, they'll welcome me, they'll take me as I am. And yes, they will help me to change, but they'll do it in a manner that makes me feel encouraged and built up, not minimised or looked down upon. And that again comes down to being the people who carry God's presence. (coughs) How do we carry God's presence? Yes, it's about worship and what we do on a Sunday morning, but it's about what we do the rest of the week. It's about having those times to say, Lord, I am going to stop in the middle of a busy day and focus on you. And actually, I am going to reflect the pattern of creation, which is what we started talking about last time. I've said right from the start, and I'm, I'm, you know, I will keep banging on about this. We, if we're talking about Sabbath, we cannot make it legalistic. It cannot be thou must do this and thou must not do that because that's not how Jesus lives. One writer put it this way, if this can put the quote on. Jesus healed a man with a withered hand, cast out an unclean spirit, healed the sick, healed a man with dropsy, healed a man who was ill for 38 years, healed a man born blind, and he did all of this on the Sabbath. All of it on the Sabbath. 
Jesus' healing ministry on the Sabbath was both physical and spiritual. Again, Jesus healed the whole man, the whole person. Likewise for us, Sabbath healing is spiritual, physical, emotional, social and psychological. In other words, the Sabbath makes a difference. Because Jesus makes a difference on the Sabbath. The rules said he's not meant to heal people. The, the Pharisees come and say, you're doing that on the Sabbath. And Jesus replies famously, doesn't he? He says, he says Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. So that way around. It's got to be the right way around. Sabbath is not rule keeping. It's life giving. When it's done properly. And, and, and after last time, um, I've allowed three and a half hours for this sermon with questions and everything else. Is that, is that okay? Um, because <laughs> next, no, no, just this morning. Because you know, I mean, I went, I went home and I said to Liz, you know, all this work we've done on letting people interrupt us and you know, being relaxed and everything else. Let's abandon all that. My dinner was burning and I wanted to get. <laughs> so, as ever, you are welcome to interrupt me. You are welcome to ask questions. There is no point me standing here saying stuff if you don't understand what I'm saying. It, it, that's pointless. That's literally hot air in the room, isn't it? So if you're like, I want to ask this, or I want to know that, I want to go deeper with that, interrupt. We're meant to be doing, I want this to be something we do together, that we learn and grow in together. And if you want to go get a drink, get a drink, you know all that stuff. But let, let's keep on trying to be people who want to take seriously what God is saying to us. So we talked last time about Genesis 1, didn't we? Remember we looked through the pattern of the day and everything else. And I said how it's a pattern of six days and then rest. And that's written into the DNA of the universe. It's a pattern that gives life. God himself rested from his work. Which means, which is an interesting point for us, he trusted that he had done enough in the other six days to stop. On day seven. It meant he wasn't worrying about whether creation was finished enough or not. Because he stopped. He trusted that what had happened in six days was enough. That's a challenge for some of us, isn't it? Because we think we need to do a little bit more. We need to think we, think we need to work a little bit harder. Or we need to worry a little bit more. As if that will make any difference. The first point of Sabbath is rest. My love. The first piece, if you like, of the jigsaw about what is Sabbath and what should it be is rest. It's stopping. Remember, we looked at it and said, actually, when you look at the passage, day seven, the day of rest, is the culmination of creation. There are three sentences that are used to describe Sabbath. They've each got seven words. And in the middle of the seven words is the word Sabbath. It's crucial we get this. I know many of us have been taught, and again I went over this last time, that, oh, you know, we are, we, we as human beings, are the culmination of creation. Actually, when you study the Bible, we're not. Coming into a point of rest is the culmination of creation. And actually the first thing the human beings do is nothing. They're made on the sixth day and day seven is their first full day of life and what do they do? They rest. So I want to move on. I want us to look at 
two passages today, and I've got some harder questions for you to try and get your minds working a little bit. So get in however many groups you want to do. I want at, at least two groups over here if we can, because quite, there's quite a lot of you there. And probably at least, maybe, maybe even two groups over here. There's going to be some passages up on the screen. Oh, they're not on. Did I not put them on? You sure? Oh, I'm lying then. Okay, I'll just have to say them lots and lots. Or I might come and type them on to make, make it so that you can find them. Okay, I want you to look at Exodus 31, 1 to 18, and then Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 15. Okay, so get your Bibles, move your chairs around. I might run to the computer and just put these words, put the quotes and questions in for you so that you can see them in a moment, because otherwise you might struggle to remember them all. Okay, so I want you to look, I want you to read together Exodus 31, 1 to 18, and then Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 15. So there's a fair bit to do. Have a look at those, and there's going to be some questions that I will put up on the screen for you. Okay, so get yourselves in some groups, look like you love each other, chairs are here to be moved. They're not just here to sit on. See if we can work some things out together. I'm going to run to the computer. Just copy it from the text. They will be coming very soon. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've given you the wrong passage. <laughs> that's, that's not the right passage. I mean, like, you're all reading something, and I'm like, hang on, that's not the right one. Is it Exodus? I think it's Exodus 13. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we're on a roll today, aren't we? Eh? Give, give us a minute. No. Um, no, give, just give us a moment. I will look at the passages for you. <laughs> okay, sorry, let me just... So the, 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 um, 31, 12, yeah, so it's 31, 12 onwards. Sorry, it's my, my typing error. Exodus 31, 12 to 18. Yeah, I thought you were like... You're all, you're all reading stuff that I'm not... I mean, you can, it's, it's wonderful and you can read it, but, you know... Right, sorry, it's, it's now on the screen... Please don't be worried. This isn't some, you know, I'm not going to give you marks out of ten. 
It's not a comprehension exercise like you did at school. The point is just for you to be in the Bible and engage with each other. If you answer the questions, great. If you don't, it's not a worry. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean anyway, but just keep working on it together. There, there aren't right and wrong answers. There's you trying to read scripture, read the Bible, and engage with it. Don't, don't panic, the questions probably are a little bit harder this morning. I am I'm getting you to think. Him from. Okay. So if you get if you get the country that they're from, think about who's who was important there, who influenced them, but doesn't get mentioned in the passage. Think about Egypt. Okay. One more minute. I can see you uh, steam coming out of some people's ears. That's fine. Getting you thinking. One more minute. Okay, let's um let's see how you've got on.
I said, don't worry. If you're like, oh, I don't know what he's asking us, it's not a problem. When you actually got the right bit of Exodus and didn't have to read all about the silversmith and everything else, which actually is a really interesting bit. It's a really grand, I like that bit. It's, well, because it, it, like, who's the first person that the Holy Spirit comes on? A workman. That's actually really important. It's the first time we get told the Holy Spirit descended on somebody and he descends on a, on a silversmith, which is interesting. But anyway, that wasn't the bit you were looking at. Okay, so I asked you a question. Uh, the Exodus 31, 12 to 18, which is at the end of the section. So about three or four chapters earlier, Moses has gone up, met with God, and been given... Everybody says, oh, he's been given the Ten Commandments. No, he's given the law, which actually the Ten Commandments are a part of. But that's not all he's given. But we'll come to that in a minute. Okay? And then you get this bit at the end in Exodus 31. Okay? Anybody get anything? What is the Sabbath a type of? Did you only pick out any verses that tell you something that the Sabbath is a type of? It's a covenant. A covenant. A covenant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well done. A covenant. It does it, doesn't it? It says, it will be a covenant. A covenant is a promise. But it's a promise with implications and consequences. Probably a better word for us to use would be contract, like a legal contract. A covenant happened when a major power protected a smaller power. So often covenants were made between two countries. So you might, you might make a covenant between, say, us, thinking about the Second World War, and Poland. Poland was a, didn't have much military power, we did. So there was a covenant, and that covenant said, if, you, if this smaller country pays its taxes to the bigger country, the bigger country will protect the smaller country. There will be a covenant between them. And in the Old Testament, if you broke a covenant, you paid with life. Which is why it says in that passage, doesn't it? If you, somebody who breaks the Sabbath should be put to death. Now that might feel like, oh, that's really harsh. But if you take on a promise from God... You are taking on something serious, aren't you? And there's, there's no messing with God. He, he knows whether you keep your side of the bargain or not. And of course, for us to live in relationship with God, there is a covenant. A covenant paid for in blood. Jesus' blood. We understand that covenant has implications. Yes? So Sabbath is a type of covenant. It's a way of saying, you are committed to us and we are committed to you. But there's something else in there as well. Depends which version of the Bible you looked at, but if you looked at verse 16, which I think Darling should come up, hopefully, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. If you look that up in the NIV, or some of the different versions of the Bible, where it says a covenant obligation, it actually means this is a reason for celebration. When it says keep the covenant, it actually uses the word celebrate, rejoice. Covenant, actually, uh, Sabbath rather, is a reason for rejoicing. By keeping the covenant, you're being shown that God's in charge. The God who made everything in six days and rested in, on the seventh day, you too can rest on the seventh day. And that's something to rejoice in. You all look fairly miserable. But the, the words that are used are rejoice in keeping this covenant. Celebrate the facts that you get to remember that God made a covenant with you by keeping Sabbath. 
So Sabbath is not just resting, it's rejoicing. It's rejoicing in who God is and what God did. So Sabbath, some element of Sabbath should be about rejoicing. About remembering God is so amazing, he created the world in a pattern that gives me a reason to have a rest. And that's worth rejoicing. Okay? So Sabbath is a form of covenant, of, of, of living up to our promise. To say, actually God, I'm going to have a day where it's not about what I do, it's about what you did. It's not about my working now, it's about the work you have already done. So Sabbath is rest. But it's also rejoicing. Now, if you can go back, darling. Sorry, I'm making you jump around a little bit. Let's go back to the Deuteronomy passage. So back one more slide. Okay. How did you get on with the Deuteronomy passage? And the list of questions I gave you. Can you go one small one? Brilliant. Okay. How did you get on with these questions? What's the link between the two passages? Anybody know? Sabbath, yes. Okay. But there is something more specific than that. Go on, anyway. The Sabbath and the covenant. Sabbath and covenant, yep. Go on, anything else though? Moses. Moses, yes. Somebody read verse 4 for me. Sorry, I'm running around and Liz is trying to do the camera. Somebody read Deuteronomy 5, verse 4. Okay. At the mountain, the Lord spoke to you face to face from the heart of the fire. It's Moses saying, Do you remember when you got the Ten Commandments, the covenant before? So what actually was happening here is the first passage is the first time that people received the law. Part of that is the Ten Commandments and part of the Ten Commandments is about keeping the Sabbath. Yes? This speech, if you like, is quite a lot later. But Moses says, do you remember when that happened? Well, when that happened, God said this and then he reminds them. So the link is that Moses makes reference to what he's already said to them. He's being a good teacher. Good teachers know that you say something and then you say it again. And then you say it again. And then you say it again in different ways to make the point. So the link is, Moses says, do you remember when I told you this before? Well, now I'm telling you it again. But he says something slightly different. Anybody get any any links for these other questions? Where were the people to remember they came from? Okay, they were to remember they came from Egypt. Great, well done, thank you. What's the connection between their history and how they were meant to live now? Sorry, I should give you this. I'm holding both mics. Just speak into that as well. Exactly. Yeah. So it says, doesn't it? Remember, you were slaves. Remember where you came from. When you were in Egypt, you were slaves. Now, you're not. And you are to live differently. You are no longer in the old conditions. You are a different people. Live a different way. Okay, so who is the, this is the hardest question, who is the important person that if you like sort of shadows over that history when they were slaves but never gets mentioned in the passage? Any, any guesses? Come on Holly, come on Holly, pass Holly the mic, come on, come on, come on. Doesn't matter if you get it wrong, we don't care, just give us your answer. Uh, it is on. Well Joseph in a way, because Joseph takes them in. Yeah, absolutely. But how about, who was it that set the conditions that they worked under? Pharaoh. 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 He was the big boss. Anyway. Wonderful. Well done. I I told you I was working you hard. That's really good. 
So let's just keep on looking at it together. Sabbath is about rejoicing. It's about keeping the covenant. Yes? But it also says, Deuteronomy 5 verse 6. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Egypt was the place of their slavery. They were slaves to Pharaoh. And the later verses make it even clearer, the link between their history and the Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5, 12-15 Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, nor your manservant, or your maidservant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gate, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest, as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. We're now being given another reason. Sabbath is about resting. It's about rejoicing and keeping covenant. But here it says, The Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Why? Because you were slaves and now you're not. You used to be held captive and now you're not. You were slaves and as a slave you had no control of your own time. Slaves don't get a day off. Slaves don't get to decide how to spend their time. Slaves have to do what their master says. Slaves are forced into a routine of continually working. Working for, actually in Egypt's case, an economic situation that kept them at the bottom of the pile. These wonderful things, people go and and have their pictures taken in front of, these are the great pyramids at Giza. They were built by slaves. when When the Jewish people were in Egypt, they were turned into slaves. And Pharaoh set how many bricks they had to make every day. And then he said, actually, you can't even gather the straw, because these bricks were made with straw, as part of your working hours. You have to go and gather the straw in your spare time. Imagine that. Colin does carpentry. Imagine if we said to him, actually, for you to do your carpentry in your spare hours, you've got to go and chop a tree down to cut the wood to do the carpentry with. He'd be like, get out of it. I'm not doing that at all. Well, that's what happened to the slaves. They had no control. They had no chance to take a day off. In other words, they had no dignity. And the whole of the Egyptian system was designed to trickle up. That all the work that the slaves did meant that Pharaoh and his cronies lived in comfort. While the people at the bottom lived with blood, sweat and tears. If you look in the Bible, whenever Egypt is mentioned, it's equated to two things, oppression and sin. When the people were in Egypt, they were held in oppression. And Egypt is often described as as a state of sin. If you're living like Egypt, you're not living like God wants you to. Well, that's sin. 
set free, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, completely. Sin is slavery. Freedom, redemption, is living in his goodness and love. Sabbath was not only a way to rejoice in God, but it was a way to resist ever going back to the old way of living. Because they are not slaves, they can take a day off. Because they are not slaves, they take control of their own time. Sabbath is resisting being controlled by or conformed to anybody else's way of living apart from God's. When they were in Egypt, they weren't given choice. If they now keep the Sabbath, they are resisting living the old way. They are saying, no, no, I'm going to live God's way. And I know that the odds might be stacked against me. The system might be designed to make me work, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand up and say, no, no, I am in God. And because I'm in God, I'm free. And I will therefore resist the pressure to conform to what everybody else does. And to live like I used to live. Remember... The Lord your God is the one who freed you from Egypt. Therefore, keep the Sabbath. Sabbath is remembering you are not what you were. You are to resist being shoved into the pattern of living like you used to do. You see, we're we're starting to build a framework. I'm trying to build a framework for us to say... We're all going to end up doing Sabbath in our own way. But what are, what's the flavour that needs to run through it? What makes Sabbath, Sabbath? Rest makes it Sabbath. Having elements of rejoicing makes it Sabbath. But actually resisting. Of saying, I'm going to be different. I am not going to be made to be the hamster on somebody else's wheel. And that might mean... I have to live with less. It might mean I spend a day where I don't spend any money. I don't run to the shops. I know that requires effort because that might mean actually you need to do some things that you presently do on your day off on the other days so that your day off can actually be a day off. Do you know what what the number one the number one leisure activity in the UK is? Spending. Shopping. 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 I cannot understand it, but apparently walking around Ikea is meant to be something you do as a leisure activity. Well, we, we all laugh, but that's what our society does. So There's a great quote. Someone said this, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. Because either way, we miss the point. We are not living God's way. We are not resisting being pressurised to look and sound like the rest of society. Ooh, good word. Whoa, it's usually Evelyn that comes up with something like that. Being under Satan's yoke. Busy. That's a good acronym, isn't it? Being under... Ooh, I should have put that. 
cool. Getting closer to what Jesus did so that we can do what Jesus did means we're going to have to start looking. On a, if I'm going to have a Sabbath, does it involve me resting? Does it involve me rejoicing? Does it involve me resisting? And saying, I am not going to be pushed into the way of doing that everybody else does something. That actually, a day off, and I'm going to do some other stuff, that jigsaw is going to get completed. When we get into the application section of saying, well, okay, well, how do I do that then? How do I make it real? Do, do you know, on average, how many hours per day does the average Netflix user spend watching Netflix? Six hours. Ooh, that's a day. A day. Any guesses? Three hours? Higher, higher. Slightly lower. Three and a half. Three and a, the average Netflix user spends three and a half hours a day watching Netflix. It, if you sleep for eight hours, if you sleep for eight hours, you've got 16 hours left. That means you're spending nearly a fifth of your working hours watching Netflix. I'm, I'm not having a go. You know, sometimes we all want to crash out. And, and binge watch something, you know, trashy. I, I get, I get that. I, I like watching films, but it is so easy for that to be leisure. That's not leisure. That's distraction, and it's addiction. On, it is escapism. On average, in the UK, most people spend a third of their waking hours watching something, watching TV, or a film. A third. Oh, well done. <laughs> Ta-da! I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm trying to raise a question for us. If our day off is spent mostly shopping to buy stuff, and looking after <laughs> the stuff we've bought... Or addictively binge watching a series, that sounds a lot to me like somebody else controlling our time. That sounds a lot like slavery. It, it may not bite, the chains may not bite, they may be comfortable now, but they're shackles nonetheless. If we are meant to be different, then our Sabbath is meant to show that we are different by resisting. I'm not, I'm not saying don't ever go shopping. I'm simply saying just ask yourself some questions. Yeah. If I spend my Saturday or whatever day you do running round Morrison's, how exactly are you resting? How, how are you rejoicing? If, if you spend it blodged out in front of the TV, how is that rejoicing? I'm not actually certain it's resting all that much because resting is slightly different. Resting is getting refilled by some things. Simply amusing ourselves, that's distraction. That's like breathing out but never breathing in. Can you get the jigsaw pieces back if it's possible?
after your wonderful extra slide. Do you like this? I'm, re- I'm really. I went for a walk. There you go. I went for a walk, and I felt like God gave me. A, I, I rarely. I often get words because I'm a words guy, and I saw this picture, and then I, I've got. We've got a friend who's a graphics designer, and I sent her this completely naff scrawling, and she turned it into this wonderful picture. And we're going we're to fill in this bit and this bit the next time. We may even turn it into something that you can take home. And you can look at and say, okay, well, I've, you know, today, that's my resting piece, that's my rejoicing piece, that's my resisting piece. Uh, to actually make it, I'm trying to make, you know, I, I do want all this to be really practical when we get to those points. But I'm still trying to build the principles that says, Sabbath is a weapon to equip us to be the people of God. Not legalistically, not rule bound, but with some principles and it might mean, you know, we all need some help in terms of how do we keep boundaries? And what other ways can we spend leisure time that's actually good for us and doesn't drain us? But it's time to ask ourselves some questions. What do we actually think a day off is? Because the, the Jews are told, use it to remember who you are. You are not what you were. You were slaves, but the Lord himself rescued you. Do not get back into the pattern. And remember what it said. You're not to work. Your son's not to work. Your daughter's not to work. Your ox is not to work. Your ass is not to work. Donkey. (laughs) Your manservant and your maidservant is not to work. The foreigner within your walls is not to work. In other words, you came from a society where it was all aimed that everybody would work every minute of the day. You are now to reconstitute your society so that not only you rest, but everybody else does as well. Basically, everything within your influence is to rest. And thereby resist being what you used to be. Instead, celebrate. Rejoice in the God who has set you free and who made a covenant to keep you free. It amuses me, you know, that we people sort of break off the shackles. It's right at school, when I was a chaplain at school, once a year we would do a non school uniform day. Anybody remember those? Non school uniform day. When I did it at my high, when I was a kid, long, long time ago, I even then I used to think it wrecks me laugh. They call it a non-school uniform day. All that happens is people take one uniform off and put another uniform on. Because we we all turned up in t-shirts and jeans. I mean, now it's jogging bottoms and other... But, you know, that... We'd see it in school. They'd all take off their, you know, blazers and uh, blouse, white tops and blouses and shirts and everything else. And they would all come in in all the designer sportswear. Just as much a uniform. Just a different type of uniform. We take off the shackles of the working week and then we run straight into Ikea and say, please chain me up again. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. Please, please chain me up, Netflix. Turn off my brain. Don't make me think about whether I'm, I'm, I'm creative. Don't make me think about whether I'm made to enjoy some things. Let's just anaesthetise myself with the latest thing that I can put in front of me on my square box. I'm... I'm not saying TV is bad. I enjoy watching things. 
But if it controls you and you don't control it, you've got a question mark. So again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to give you any more application yet. I'm raising some questions. I think Sabbath has to, it has to involve rest. The Genesis passage makes that clear. I think the Exodus passage makes it clear that actually Sabbath has to be about rejoicing. But it also has to be about resisting. About saying, I am going to live in such a way that I'm going to show that I control my world. My world doesn't control me. And we'll go on and we'll come back. But any, any questions? Are they all going to be asked? Yes. You're going to have to work them out. Okay. But actually there's going to be a piece here. A piece here. And then three more things to go around the outside. Oh. That, are, that are like a... No. But like a, they're gonna, it's going to be like a filter to say, how do, you, how do you keep these things? There's some things that we need to not do to enable us to. Do you, do you want to know? No, no. no. Oh, do you want to know? Okay, all right, go on. You can meditate on it, yes. You might come up with a different answer. And we... We are going to start trying to make this really practical. We are already talking about some things that might look at. Because under, actually, under this rejoicing bit, the other, the other thing they do actually when you look at the Sabbath pattern is they have a meal together. They, 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 they do food and family because that's how you rejoice. Well, you know, we're, we're pretty good at that as it is. We like, we like eating together. But I wonder whether there's a bit more we can do on that. Okay. So again, and, and I know I haven't given you... 18 new things to do this week. I've just raised some questions. But the point is, you know, John's Sabbath will look different to mine. That will look different to Colette's. It will look different to Wendy's and Paul's. I'm saying I think there are some principles that need to run through it all that allow us to say, this is what keeping a Sabbath looks like. And when we do that, it gives life. Not rules, but principles. Ways of thinking. That mean actually by the by the end of the Sabbath you think, do you know what I feel better? I feel like I've had a day that has invested in me and made me more human, more creative, more fulfilled. And and I think to do that we might have to stop doing some things that everybody else does. Yeah, I'm not saying you you might not do those things on the other days of the week. I'm just saying, but on Sabbath, whenever you choose that to be. Maybe there's some things to ask yourself about. To keep on probing and thinking and applying. Okay, any, any last questions? Last comments? Any other great ways of remembering words? What did you say? Under yoke of... Busy... Go on, tell me again. Being under Satan's yoke. A pastor told me that years ago. That's cool. Don't be busy. Don't be busy. Do stuff, be productive, that's cool. That's better than all, that's better than all the rest of my sermon. No, no. Part of it, it completes the picture. Let, let's just stand. Because actually, there are some crucial things we've said, almost inferring them. God brings freedom. He sets people free. God is worth celebrating and rejoicing. Who he is and what he does. So Lord, we pray that you would keep speaking to us. 
We pray that by your Holy Spirit you would reveal to us, are, are there times where we're conforming when we need to be resisting? Are there times when we're being rule-based when we need to be rejoicing? We, we don't know how we're going to work it all out yet, but we're starting to learn some principles. We pray that you would enable those principles to be start coming part of who we are and how we think. Because we want to do what Jesus did. We want to be the people who bring Jesus. And to do that we know we need to do what Jesus did. Be people who draw their resources from you. Be people who rest, who rejoice and who resist. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.